Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, tech riding a winning streak dating back to before the pandemic. The S&P at levels not seen since last August, and the Dow posting its biggest one-day gain since November. The options trades to get in on these moves straight ahead. Plus, Tesla posting another revved-up week. The stock charging higher by more than 11%. Can Musk keep the mojo? We will debate that coming up. And later, a look back at our bet for a Lulu bounce, getting ready for Apple's big reveal and Oracle's record-breaking run. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action. We're live at the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. As we mentioned, the market's turning in a strong week with a final push higher and a much better than expected employment data. Um, the Nasdaq leading the way, notching its sixth straight winning week. The Dow sharply reversed what was looking like a losing week, but it wasn't just the, me- uh, the mega caps this week. The Russell 2000 logged its best day of the year today, closing above its 200-day moving average for the first time since March. But an internal indicator we'll talk more about in just a moment, the VIX, hitting its lowest level since July of 2021. Carter, you are taking a look at this market through the lens of weightings. Explain. Right. So we have, with the ongoing strength of the largest cap names versus the average stock, we have a spread now that it was only seen basically during the financial crisis and at the COVID low. So th- the way to think of it is this. Either the high flyers... Um, the market in general is going to sink and the high flyers are going to sink more or the market keeps advancing, in which case the laggards start to play catch up. But the reading we have now seen only during the financial crisis and at the COVID low, either we're that bad, I don't think we are, or we are literally facing a very severe recession. So let's look at the charts and try to parse this out. The first chart is a ratio chart. It's simply one thing divided by another. And what that tells us is relative performance. And you're looking at the RSP, that's the equal weight S&P versus the SPY. And of course, you can see how it's collapsed. And that straight down line, let's look at the next chart and going back to the 09 low. Now, is there a similar period? Look at the next chart. This is virtually identical to exactly how we looked during the financial crisis and at the COVID low. And the other two times when we got this reading, of course, what happened? The average stock starts to outperform the big cap-weighted SPY. So the bet here is, guess what happened today? Just that, final chart, you play the arrow, you play the up arrow. It can only be one thing. Either this message is that severe, like those periods, and we're about to come apart, or we're not. The market keeps advancing, in which case the laggards actually start to play catch up. And what happened today was just that massive moves out of huge laggards. All right, Mike, you're taking a look at a catch up play in the RSP. Lay it out, please. Yeah, I mean, we're sort of trying to take advantage of the fact that we do have this uh, lower level of implied volatility. So options premiums are reduced. Uh, RSP is something that I actually uh, picked up in the PA today. And actually, we played some other catch-up trades in our long-only strategy this week as well. I think you try to take advantage of the dynamic that's setting up here in those two ways. One, the fact that you've seen the significant underperformance and also that low options premium by doing something relatively simple. I think you can just go out and buy a call. I was looking up to the July 145 calls. Those were less than two bucks. 
So very small percentage of the current level of RSP to make a bullish bet. You know, I think it's important for people to think about, you know, the top quartile of the S&P 500, uh, you know, we've seen significant outperformance over the bottom quartile. These are the bigger stocks. And if you look at something like an average, that's kind of deceptive, right? Because you're dealing with a couple uh, trillion dollar companies. But still, you know, the median market cap of the top quartile is about 33 billion versus 22 billion for the bottom quartile. And there's a spread in terms of performance of about 35% year to date when, you know, basically up versus down. And I, I really think that that's a spread that is likely to narrow. One other thing to think about valuation. Uh, that top quartile is trading an average of about 42 times earnings and the bottom about 16 times. So doing a trade like this is not just looking for certain stocks to play catch up just on price action, uh, but it's also basically looking to purchase uh, the cheaper stocks in the index as well. Yep. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Well, I think when you look at the trade, I really like it. I mean, the one thing you could possibly look at is if there is sort of any pullback in the RSP is maybe add to Mike's trade and sell a downside put to reduce the cost and sort of leg into what we call a risk reversal where you buy an upside call, sell a downside put. But certainly volatility is cheap enough. When you look at the VIX, Mel, you mentioned that at the top of the show, that's below 15. Spikes, which tracks SPY, just above 15. These are relatively low. So what does this mean? Option prices are relatively cheap historically, and that's made for a trade to play and buy calls and play the calls to the upside because the call payoff maybe doesn't realize necessarily in terms of a gamma trader or what market makers use it for, but as a trader that's trying to take a position, the market can tend to run. And if we get this reversal like Carter's talking about, find a cheap call and let's say RSP, RSP play some catch up, you really can make headway right there, find that call and using some sort of leverage around that to play to the upside. All right, let's shift gears just a bit. Materials also rebounding this week on stronger demand from Asia, but is it enough to help the sector recover from a year-to-date slump? Carter, what's your answer? Well, so the thing about materials, this is value, right? This is the perspective catch-up era. But again, I think it's more general than it is specific to materials. But let's look at the XLB. And what we know, of course, is that Yes, you can catch a trade here. That's a well-defined trend line connecting the COVID low with the lows of about six months ago. And so I think you can catch a bounce. Look at the second iteration of this chart. Um, we're we're kind of stuck. A pair of twos for me, uh, but it will uh, catch a bid with the general theme of laggards outperforming the market. Mike, how are you trading this uh, the sector, materials? Yeah, we picked up some XLB around the middle of the week. This is a little bit of a beta conversation as well. Consider the underperforming stocks year to date. I mean, a lot of these sectors or industries are really going to be familiar to everybody who's watching. I mean, today we, you guys were talking on Fast Money about the telecoms. Obviously, that's one of the hardest hit areas. Real estate, obviously, one of the hardest hit areas. That There's a big preponderance of those types of stocks in the underperforming quartile of the S&P, material stocks, the regional financials, insurers, things like that. Here's the thing, though. If, if we are going to somehow emerge from this and we aren't going into a recession and you're looking for a way to play that and you're looking for cheap stocks as, as the mechanism, as the vehicle, that would be a reason to look at materials as opposed to some of those other areas. Although if you're in RSP, you're going to get exposure to all of them. Here, too, I think the options look cheaper than they often do, but materials is a more volatile sector, so it's not going to be as cheap as something like an equal weight RSP. 
I was looking out to July, the 78 calls also about two bucks a contract to get some upside exposure there. Same amount of time to expiration as the RSP trade and the same amount per contract, but you'll notice that this is about the instrument, the underlying instrument is about half the price. So as a percentage, uh, obviously these options are more expensive, but they should be. These companies are more economic, uh, economically sensitive and they tend to have higher volatility and higher leverage. Brian, as, as Carter mentioned, this is sort of part and parcel of the, the thing that we laid out before, and that's a mean reversion. And so if, if you had to choose, which would you rather put on, um, reversion of the RSP higher or materials? You know, I think I'd probably lean more the RSP moving higher here, simply because I think there's a component of materials within that that plays into that. And, and I think it kind of all goes together. And the RSP has really moved more in a value kind of play. If you look at the Russell 1000 value, that has really lagged the market. It's, I think it's still down on the year right now. And, and so if we sort of get this equal weight move with maybe Russell value and value kind of names, I think materials would then move higher as well because there's a lot of a commodity play here in the materials sector. Although Linda makes up about 20%, by the way, of that ETF. So that's a stock you can play outright with some calls as well if you wanted to play XLB or individual stocks within that ETF. But I think RSP is the right way to play this and play that mean reversion that Carter talked about. All right. Now let's get to an individual stock here. Tesla, another weekly winner. Last week, Mike said he thought the charging partnership between Ford and Tesla would make more of a difference for Tesla than Ford. Looks like the market agreed. And earlier this week, Carter said now is a good time to buy shares of this EV maker. So, Carter, let's start off with you on Tesla. What do you see now? Sure. I, I would just play the momentum here. Uh, to some extent, while Tesla, hard to think of it as a laggard, it has been a real laggard compared to Apple or NVIDIA or Microsoft. Uh, let's look at two charts. They're the same chart, just with different uh, annotations. We have a clear downtrend and we have moved above the downtrend. The second iteration uh, annotates it with, whether you call it a cup and handle, doesn't matter. It has all the elements of a reversal. Uh, I like Tesla, I think it continues and to a great extent it is a catch up trade. How do you think about putting a trade on Tesla, Mike, whether you don't own the stock currently or you own the stock right now? Yeah, you know, we faded this one going into earnings. It, it performed fairly weakly coming out of that. And then when it got down, I think close to 165 or so, and it's had a quite a vicious bounce off of that, I was thinking, you know, it might actually be an attractive time. Because, you know, when we look back several years, this was a very expensive company. Now, not so much and certainly not relative to their growth. And as you look ahead and kind of think about how this is all going to play out for the automakers, you know, who has a material advantage? You've got Ford talking about adopting Tesla's uh, charging network, but they're also talking about adopting their business model in terms of, you know, whether or not they want to sell through dealers, whether they want to have fixed pricing. Uh, it, it definitely feels like Tesla has the momentum from a business standpoint. And so I think maybe call spread risk reversals would be the way to play it. I was sort of taking a look at the lower part of the handle of that cup with handles and thinking maybe that would be the put that I would be looking to sell to finance an upside call spread. Yeah. Brian, how about you? Yeah, I was going to say just that. I mean, Mike and I are thinking of it the same way. When you get that sort of cup and handle formation, one trade I do like doing is either putting a risk reversal call spread on or just outright buying a call, waiting for things to move higher before I sell that further out of the money call. Tesla seems like that's one. I mean, we've talked before about consumer discretionary sort of lagging the market, but Tesla is one of the leaders there. And if this is a stock that's sort of broken trend, it's probably going to be the first one to move higher 
whereas maybe the rest of the sector, autos and whatnot, sort of lag behind. So if there is a stock to play, I think Tesla is one, and options are very active. It's one of the most heavily traded options, uh, equity options out there. Well, Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference gets underway on Monday. The big reveal expected to be a new VR headset, the stock riding high up almost 40% this year. So how should you play Apple ahead of WWDC? So, Brian, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think Apple's an interesting play because it's such a big market cap. It's been such a big mover why this stock market, why the S&P 500 is up so much. It's gone. It's been Apple, Microsoft, Google. Uh, and NVIDIA basically are the leaders here. Now, we're sitting here near highs right now. And so, you know, we have to be careful how aggressive you want to be playing Apple here. And this is probably a time we've talked about buying calls to play the upside. This is probably a time where I actually start to replace maybe some of my stock by a call or by a put, use some sort of protection here in case this thing starts to lag. And if we run a little bit higher from here, I tend to like, like stocks when they make new all-time highs then that's the time to buy right and sell a call. But I need to wait for some of this catalyst event to pass. I'm not going to sell a call right now, but that's something to look at. If we sort of make a new high through this catalyst event, that's when I might start to buy right this stock. It's had such a tremendous run. Carter, it seems like there's a magnet to that uh, fresh all-time high. What do you see in the charts? Right. So that all-time high was the all-time high for the market. We've got an Apple chart here. We know that it was for January 2021. That was the high for the market, and it was the high for Apple. Uh, we're within a fraction of that. In principle, when you move quickly right to a former high, before you can exceed it, you contend with it, which is to say you back and fill or back away. Uh, if you're long, I would sell calls. Mike, how do you think about Apple and where it's trading at right now? And do you think WWDC is going to be any sort of catalyst? Or does that not, not matter seeing what the chart wants the stock to do at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's the money flows ultimately that are going to end up dictating where this thing sits. But I, I think I'd be pretty derelict if I told people to go out and buy the stock here, given the run we've seen in the market, given the run we've seen in this stock in particular, and given the fact that we're getting right back to its all-time high. It makes good sense that it's going to contend with it. Look, if you own the stock or if you have exposure to it, particularly if you don't have some kind of tax exposure, so if you're in a tax-deferred account and you thought, you know what, I want to take some profits, but I want to maintain some upside exposure either with call spreads or calls, I would normally just say buy some outright calls because many, in many cases they're cheap, not quite as much in Apple. It's trading about a 25% implied volatility, which is certainly higher than it has been realizing. But I think a stock replacement strategy as a way to maintain some upside exposure but reduce your downside exposure right now would make a lot of sense. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this break. Coming up, is older tech riding a new wave thanks to artificial intelligence? Oracle is on deck to report earnings in two weeks. But we're getting set now with our very real Options Smarts. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action. It may be considered old tech, but Oracle has been making some new and substantial moves higher this year. It's set to report results in two weeks. Could it now also ride the AI hype train to even higher gains? Brian, how do you feel about Oracle? 
Well, you know, if it does ride that hype train, it's going to move significantly after earnings. When you've looked at the last few quarters of earnings Oracle's had, the average move is about 5% after earnings. But look at the last five to eight. There's been a couple in there where we've seen the stock move over 10% to the upside. So if they sort of guide higher the same way NVIDIA did in terms of revenue growth, then we may see the stock continue to pop. Now, the stock is already trading at all-time highs here. It moved quickly from sort of that 90 level through 100. I'm going to kind of use the same kind of playbook that I use with NVIDIA in the sense that I like owning Oracle as sort of a core portfolio. We own it in our NASDAQ hedged equity strategy, obviously. But when I can do that and I own a stock like that that's going to be my core holding, I'd like to, into a catalyst event, buy a put spread. Options are fairly priced. I can buy the June 16th expiring options, the 103 put. I want to be a buyer. And I'll lower that cost by selling the 99 put against it. The net cost here basically is just a buck. So less than 1%. I get some protection to the downside. If the stock moves like its average move after earnings downward of 5%, you're talking about 101 or so, 100 on the stock. I can kind of stay protected in between that 103 to 99 area minus the cost of the put spread and give myself a little protection. And then I don't get called away. So if the earnings are good, I get to continue to play to the upside. I mean, this is a stock whose forward PE is sitting just under 20. I think there's still some room in valuation to grow, whether you want to play it as a value, a growth, a tech stock, whatever. I think it's going to be there and it's got to be a core holding. I'm just going to protect against this earning event coming up. And I believe that's June 13th, the earnings that come out. So this will keep me protected through that. Carter, what do you make of Brian's levels? Right. So it, this is analogous to the Apple setup. Look at the chart and we can discuss it. The point is Oracle closed down today. Everything was up. Why? It got right to its former high, literally that high, uh, within 10 cents, as soon as it touched above it, it started backing away. W why would that be? It's because people sell who have their stock returned to the level they bought it when they first got in. They're breaking even. Um, this is what the contending with a former high is all about. I would sell calls if I were long. Mike, your thoughts? Uh, we own Oracle in our long-only strategy, so I'm hoping that the earnings numbers come out come out good. Uh, you know, I, looking at uh, the forward earnings, I think this thing is still certainly at their projected growth rate, a very reasonable value. The thing is that uh, there are some pretty ambitious targets in terms of that growth. If we look at it on a trailing basis, it's trading around 33 times trailing. And that actually is a 10-year high. So there's a lot of news baked into the stake about what we expect to happen. Obviously, we expect to happen. That's why we own the stock. But I think the put spread makes a lot of sense because we're contending with a difficult level. Many of you may own the stock and want to continue to hold it, but are a little bit concerned about the catalyst. And this is a good way to ensure against news being not as good as we might hope when it comes. All right, up next, arms out to the sides, twist at your core, bring your head around, and look back with us on our Lululemon trade from last week. More Options Action in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, Mike laid out a way to play downward-facing Lululemon stock for a bounce on earnings like a cobra pose. The stock picked its head up and did just that. So, Mike, how do you flex now? Yeah, so I mean, there's a couple of things one could do. And if you wanted to take profits, that's an understandable response. And you could sell out of the call spread that we discussed. But another thing you could consider doing is actually adjusting it. If you actually rolled from those 350 calls up to the 370s, what you would do actually is take more money out of this trade than you initially put in. So you would actually be locking in some profits, but you would still have another potential. 20 bucks worth of upside. So that is another way you could play if you want to continue to uh, bet on the long side here. 
Carter, how does the chart look to you after this big uh, move higher? Right. So we uh, had sold off dramatically uh, to the 150-day moving average stock bounced in response to earnings. But I think you've, you've set a high here for a bit or goalposts of sorts. What we know is Lulu closed on the absolute low of the day. Yes, it was up a lot, of course, but it, it didn't hold its strength. And so I think uh, today's high will stand for a while. Um, if I owned it and I caught this pop, I think I'd uh, reduce my exposure. All right. Up next, tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, seasonality indicates bullish until mid-month, then bearish into July. So how about S&P ETF calls for two weeks, then switch to puts? Brian, what do you say? Yeah, Ibana Ducci, I like the play. I'm long June, end of the month, expiring options on the S&P 500 index option. So I'm playing calls to the upside. And I think maybe come July, maybe it is time then to take it off. It seems like the rally is going to continue. The last couple of days have been very bullish for me. Maybe if I'm going to buy a put come July, I look out to September, a little further out in case we continue to have this summer rally. Our next fan asks, the ARK Innovation ETF is perking up on the weekly chart. Are we seeing a shift from tech to growth? What do you think, Carter? Well, it certainly is perking up. It has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. It's a beta trade, uh, and I would play it. All right. Time for the final call. Back to you, Carter. Kick us off. You really want to focus on the average stock versus the stock market. RSP on the long side. Brian Setlin. Yeah, I like hedging my Oracle position with the long put spread ahead of or just after the earnings and play a little hedge and take the risk off of that on current play. Mike Co. RSP is the average stock, but their options prices are below average, so I would buy calls in RSP. All right, that does it for us. We'll see you back here next Friday. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash options action disclaimer.